Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Let's stand and praise our Lord. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came and he died and he rose. Those walls are rubble now. those giants we call death and grave they were like mountains that stood in our way but he came and he died and he rose those giants are dead now this is our god this is who he is he loves us this is our god this is what he does he says took our breath away, faith so weak that we could barely pray, but we heard every word, every whisper. Now those altars in the wilderness, they tell the story of his faithfulness, never once did he fail, and he never
All my words fall short I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing I often do, but every song must end, and you never do, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, cause all that I have is a Touching his. I've got one response. I've got just one move with my arms stretched wide. I will worship you. So I throw up. So I throw up my hands 
and praise you again and again cause all that I have is in Running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after. 
First Kings 19, 1 through 18. I'm sorry. Here, let me apologize because this message is just to me. Uh, God was speaking it to me, preaching it to me, and uh, something I needed to hear. So I feel like I'm just preaching to me, but I know he's going he's gonna to bring it for you as well. But this, this just hit me. But uh, 1 Kings 19, last week we, we looked at Elijah, a major prophet of God who experienced an amazing victory on a mountainside, right? And, and the one day, and then the next day, He's going through this depression and despair, and if you remember, he literally tells God, hey, just kill me, right? And there's some commentaries that are talking about these passages, and like, they they put these passages together wrong. They shouldn't be right next to each other, because there's no way you could have this mountaintop experience with this amazing victory, and then the very next day, want to die. But those people who are writing those commentaries don't realize that's how life is, right? You can have mountaintop experiences and be hit by something that just throws you for a loop and you're depressed and everything like that. You know, that's just, that's just normal. That's just how it is. And we want to recognize that. But God speaks to him. And I can't wait to share uh, what he tells him and what he does. First Kings 19, would you stand in honor of the word of God? Because that's what it is, right? This is the word. This is what we align our lives to. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that, like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might... What? die. 
I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank them and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Torb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to the death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Moholah, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape from the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we recognize and proclaim this as your word. Father, would you soften our hearts to receive it? Would you open our eyes and our ears? Would you speak it directly to us? Lord, would you, using the Holy Spirit, would you transform us to look more like you? Father, let this not come on hardened hearts. Father, may we be encouraged, may we be challenged, may we be just transformed by it. Lord, we give you all praise and all honor. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last time I preached on this, I didn't give you a lot of context to this passage, uh, but I want to point out that King Ahab and Jezebel, king and queen of Israel, have established Baal worship as the form of religion in Israel. They were wicked. They had the prophets of God killed. At one point, at one point I got a Kleenex and blew my nose. At one point, Elijah was sent by God to Ahab with this message, 1 Kings 17.1. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And for the next few years, Elijah was on the run from Ahab who sought to kill him. 
In chapter 18, God tells Elijah, go to King Ahab and tell him that God is going to cause it finally to reign again. So Elijah goes and sends for the king, and the king comes out to meet Elijah. Now, I tend to like Elijah because I think he's a lot like us. A lot of times you read in the Bible and you have these prophets, and they don't act the way a lot of times that we act. They don't react the way that we do. But I can relate to this guy, and I think maybe you can too, because, for example, he's got this attitude that uh, basically my God can whoop your God, right? We know that from his experience on Mount Carmel. Uh, uh, Elijah and Ahab meet, and immediately they start going at each other. If you read the account, King Ahab is like, there's that troublemaker, And Elijah's like, I'm not the troublemaker. You're the one who's making trouble for Israel, you and your family. And he continues, you've abandoned God, and you're basically a traitor. I think he's ticked off. And he goes, grab your prophets. Grab all 450 of your prophets of Baal. Grab your 400 prophets of Asherah. And meet me on Mount Carmel, right? We're going to settle things there. Ahab agrees and starts rounding all them up. Elijah goes to the people, though. He's still ticked off and starts calling them out. Hey, who are you going to serve, right? If it's Baal, serve Baal. But if it's the Lord, serve the Lord. Quit being wishy-washy. Make up your mind. And the people say nothing in response. So they get to the mountainside. And Elijah's like, here's how we're going to settle it. You put a sacrifice on the altar, we'll put it on the wood, and then we're going to call down fire from our God. And the God who answers with fire, then we'll know that is the God, that one. They all agree to this. So Elijah lets the prophets of Baal go first. They call upon him hour after hour. They keep calling upon him. And Elijah, like I said, I can relate to him because he starts teasing them, right? Maybe your God is sleeping. That's what he literally says. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's gone, right? You better shout louder. And we know nothing happens. Then he has the altar of God fixed. They place the wood on it. They place the the bull on it. You know the story. They drench it three times. They dig a, a moat around it to collect the water for that. And then he just steps out and he prays this prayer. 1837. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. And what happens? The fire falls, right? The fire falls and licks up every ounce of water that was there. Burns up the sacrifice, the wood. Did you notice it burns up the stone? the soil, and what's the response? The people fall to the ground and cry out, verse 39, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. He has the people grab the prophets of Baal, right, and he puts them to death. He tells Ahab, hey, go home and eat and drink because the rain's coming, and sure enough, the sky grows black, The storm clouds roll in, and it rains, a heavy rain. Like I said, I really like this guy. Isn't that the way we want it to go? Isn't that perfect, right? I mean, this is is it. Like, haven't you seen your country going to the crapper? 
and you want something like this to happen? Haven't you ever wanted to say, meet me on the mountain? Grab your 450 politicians. Grab your 450 whosoever's, right? Bring them. You call on your God. I'll call on my God, and we'll see who answers, right? Isn't that the perfect way to prove to God that everyone is real? Prove to everyone that God is real? I mean, wouldn't that do it? Don't we want the courage and ability to make this stand and make this statement and make this declaration, right? Wouldn't that draw people to him? Can you think of a better way to draw people? Can you think of a better way to give other Christians courage than this right here? Who, who in here has not wanted to see God send down the fire? Last verse of 18, verse 46 says, The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead to Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Interesting, you may not know this, but Jezreel was the capital of, of Israel at this time. Why would he go to the capital? That's, that's Ahab's seat of power, right? He's a marked man. They want to still kill him, right? So why go to their power? And what I came up with is, the only reason I can think is because he, he's thinking exactly what we would think after this moment on Mount Carmel, after this experience. We won, right? We won. He thought Ahab and Jezebel would repent, How could they not repent after Ahab just saw that, right? At least if they don't, at least the people are going to rise up and throw them out of the office, right, and get rid of them. They saw everything that happened. I mean, isn't that how it's supposed to play out here? Who in their right mind would not repent after seeing that? How in the world would anybody not turn to the Lord? But Jezebel sends them a message, right? Chapter 19, verse 2. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In response, we see Elijah run, scared, right? Off into the desert. Why? He was on the top of that mountain, wasn't he? He saw everything that God did. Why is he running? He experienced something incredible, something amazing, something that he was sure was going to fix all the problems in this nation, right, like he thought. But that statement from Jezebel, last thing he was expecting, right? And it throws him for a loop. And he goes from winning to losing, right? At this point, he's questioning God. It's not supposed to turn out like this right? Jezebel isn't even phased. She didn't seem scared at all. She should have been. The people didn't even rise up. They should have rose up after they saw what God did, right? What's going on in his mind is that he's confused. He's in despair. He doesn't know who God is. He doesn't understand what's going on, right? But God's going to show him. God's going to speak to him. Last week we talked about how he bought into a lie. And, and because of this, verse 3, he's scared and runs. When he was on the mountain, he was mocking them, right? And now all of a sudden he's running from them. 
because it didn't turn out like he thought it would in the capital. At the end of verse 3, he lets a servant go. He's a prophet, not a rich man. He doesn't just have servants around because he has the money for them. To a prophet, a servant was his staff. It's his help, right? And he's letting go of his staff, and that's basically because he's saying, I quit. I quit the ministry. I don't get what's going on. I'm done. And by verse 4, take my life. Why am I even here? What's, what's going on? I don't even want to be here anymore. He prays that he might die. This is where he's at, right? And that's what one statement from the enemy can do in your life, even after an amazing experience that shows the power of God, right? What does God do? Well, we said last week he sends an angel to make him some food twice, Let's him sleep twice, gets two naps in. And we said God knows that we have a physical aspect, a physical component to our lives that needs to be taken care of, right? That's why God gave us a Sabbath. Hey, take a day off. It's not about religious ritual where you have to do this in order to please God. He gave us something to help us out, right? Because he cares about us. He doesn't want you to be working seven days a week. Sometimes it happens, right? But here, here, I'm gonna make it so that this is how you should live your life. You need to take a day off because you need a day of rest. You need to sleep. You need to eat. You need some naps, right? The physical is important. The, the second thing that God does here is he listens to him. At the end of verse 9, God asks, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, whenever God asks a question, it's not to get information from him, right? I, I mean, could you imagine God saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? You don't look so good. What's going on, right? It's never because he doesn't know. When God asks us a question, they're aimed at getting us to realize things. In verse 9 and verse 13, both times he asks, what are you doing here? And then he listens. We have a God who listens to us, right? We have a God who asks us questions. Both times God asks us, Elijah answers, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. In other words, here's, here's what he's saying. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've been faithful with, I'm, with what I'm supposed to do, but it didn't turn out right. So Lord, what are you doing wrong? He, he's really questioning God with that, hinting that challenge to God. I did everything I should that I was supposed to do, but it didn't work out. That's a lie from the enemy working its way in like we talked about last week. Then he says, woe is me, no one is left, I'm the only one, right? Also another lie, also wrong, we see that. And last week we said the answer to this is that we have to get into the word of God and get into his presence so that these lies cannot remain, right? And that's where God brings them. It's into his presence, it's into his word, he speaks to him because those lies are gonna get called out there. Those lies that you might be tempted to believe can't stand in God's presence. They can't remain there. Elijah goes to Mount Horeb. Why Mount Horeb? Well, it's called the mountain of God, right? You might not recognize the name Mount Horeb, but you recognize Mount Sinai. That's the same mountain. And he gets to Mount Sinai. He goes into what? Verse 9, he goes into a cave, a hollow, a cliff. It's interesting because... It's interesting because centuries before, there was another guy on this mountain named Moses who also 
went into a cleft. And you remember what Moses said? Lord, I want to see your glory, right? He wanted to know who God really was. In other words, who are you, God? God told him, get into that cliff of the rock, and I'm going to pass by. This, this is almost the same thing, right? Same situation. Elijah goes here to figure out who, who God is. He goes to the mountain of God to figure out who God is, and God puts him in a cliff of the rock. He goes in there, right? I don't know if it's the same one that Moses was in, but God tells him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Notice he doesn't go out right away, right? Probably a good thing because there's this powerful wind that tears the mountain apart, but God wasn't in the wind. Then there's an earthquake. Then there's fire, but God wasn't in those either, right? That's kind of interesting because for other people, God was in those things, right? He spoke to Moses through a burning bush, through the fire. I'm reading in my personal Bible study in Exodus right now, and God is leading the people of Israel at night by a pillar of fire. At the end of Job and on the day of Pentecost, he shows up as a mighty wind, right? And on this very mountain sometime before that, he came as an earthquake. So he's showing us the range, but in the end, very surprisingly, he shows up in the place that we least expect, right? The place that we least expect the God of the universe to show up. He shows up in a whisper, a gentle whisper. What does that mean? In order to understand it, we have to see Elijah's problem. It's revealed in what he says. We already talked about this. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord, which means I had the right plan. I executed it perfectly, but it didn't work out. So what's wrong with you, God? The real reason that Elijah's in despair is because he does the same thing that every one of us do. We put God in that certain box, right? He thinks he knows exactly how God should be. He thinks he knows exactly how God should act, what God should do, right, to fix the problem of his nation. And God blows that out of the water right here. Elijah and we expect God to show up in the earthquake, in the fire, in the mighty wind, right, in the whirlwind. It's what we all want but he shows up in a still, small voice. Elijah thought that on that other mountain earlier, man, this is the plan. This is what's going to do it. This is how we're going to fix our country. This is how everybody's going to repent and return to God, right? God's going to show his power. Ahab and Jezebel are going to bow down or be overthrown. That's what we want, isn't it? We all want the big miracles. We all think the big show We'll fix all the problems. God, do something amazing. God, reveal yourself and put our political leaders and our enemies in their place, right? Lord, show them your glory, and then that will fix everything, make everything right. We think we know the best plan, but all we do is put God in a box because we think we know how it's supposed to work. 
God didn't do that here, though. And Elijah's like, I don't get it, right? And what's he say? I quit. I've been there. I had this idea of how everything was going to turn out as a pastor, and when it didn't turn out as I thought, right? Man, so much, so many times I'm like, I quit. I'm done with ministry. This isn't working out like I thought it should be. You're not living up to your end of the bargain. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm preaching. I'm teaching, right? But you're not living up to it. Did God let him down? Right? No. Elijah's plan let him down. Right? Elijah's idea of what God should do let him down. Hear this. Hear this. Right? When we think God's got to show up as the fire, sometimes he shows up as the whisper. Right? Your despair, Elijah, is your fault because you put me in the box. You thought you knew how I should act. You thought Mount Carmel was the answer. But your plan, it didn't work. Well, at least I had a plan, God, right? What's your plan? Do you even have one? Yeah, of course he does. At the end of this passage, we see what God's plan is. When Elijah finally listens to God, instead of talking, right, God reveals his plan. Verse 15, go back the way you came. Anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, king over Israel. Anoint Elijah to succeed you. And they're going to take care of business. He's got a plan. He's always got a plan. He's always at work, right? But we put God in our own box, and we give him a plan and expect him to follow that. Elijah's plan. I got to admit, I like it, though. Like, that's seriously what I thought, too. Like, I would have bet that would have worked. I would have bet Ahab would have dropped to his knees when he saw fire fall from heaven. But he didn't. My plan's based on man's wisdom. Elijah's plan is based on man's wisdom, right? Also, his view of poor me, God, because I'm the only one left. God's like, what do you mean? I got 7,000 who haven't bent their knee to Baal, who haven't bowed down to him. I got Hazael who's going to do what I want. I got Jehu who's going to do what I want. And and I'm going to work through Elijah twice what I worked through with you. Christians have this poor me view because we don't see everything that's happening. We're so depressed, right? Oh, everything is so bad. We need revival. That's a great call. We should be called to revival, right? But can we be reminded that God is working through people? We see people growing. We heard a testimony of somebody who's grown in the last five years, what God is doing in her life, right? Can we be reminded of that, that we don't see everything? Did you know that about her? Some of you did, but some of you didn't. He's working in people, right? We get caught up in the denominations like, man, those Pentecostals are too crazy, They're out there, right? Those Baptists are too uptight. Those Catholics are too ritualistic. And and I don't even know what to say about those holiness Nazarenes. (laughs) Man, there's just only a few of us real Christians that, that get it. Poor us. There's only a few of us, and what can we possibly do? I don't know about you, but God can reach anybody who's open. God can reach anybody who's listening, no matter the denomination, If they're in the Word of God, right, God can speak to them through it. God can call him. And people are responding. People are growing, right? 
We, we heard from a missionary from Croatia that, that God is revealing himself to people that are Muslims in dreams at camp meeting. And, and Jesus is calling them to follow them, to follow him. Poor Muslim people, right? But then we hear the mosques are empty over there. And Islam is dying over there. And Christianity is booming. And the church is growing. Poor me. We can't see it. We're just humans. And our plans of God, our plans for God are just so limited, right, compared to God. Who is me? Look at this next generation. Oh, my goodness. They're falling away. There's not going to be anyone left, teens. And God's like, are you kidding me? Right? What are you talking about? I just got to worship with 10,000 teens who loved Jesus Christ a couple weeks ago. And that's just a small part of one denomination. God's calling. People are responding. Right? That's just North America. We've got to get out of our despair mode, poor me mode. We need, to, we need God to send the fire. That's the only way that's going to fix everything. We have to quit putting God in a box. How do we do that? It's simple. We get into his presence and drop our plans and listen to what he calls us to do. Pure and simple, right? We don't let the enemy's lies prevent us, get in the way of following his call. That's what courage is. Courage is drop your plans, drop your ideas on how to fix this country, how to fix your marriage, how to fix this relationship, right? Don't put God in the box. Drop that and let him work and follow what he calls you to do. Listen for the small voice or listen for the thunder. I don't know how he's going to speak to you. Right? Don't put God in that box that he's only going to speak to you like he spoke to Mikey or like he spoke to Andrew, right? Or like he spoke to Moses. If you're waiting for the burning bush to show up again, right? That's the only example I know of it. No, I'm going to I'm going to listen and I'm going to wait and I'm going to make room so that he can talk to me in whatever way he wants to. Whether it's a sermon, whether it's reading the word of God, whether it's my good friend coming up to me and telling me, hey, I think God laid this on me heart, my heart to tell you this, right? Whatever way it is, man, I want to listen and I want to wait for that. He, he talked to Elijah in a whisper because it challenged his view of him. It challenged what he wanted, right? Get in his, get in his presence. That means make space every day to be in the word of God, to not just be playing your video games, not just be listening to the TV or watching the TV or anything like that. Get, like, can I just encourage you with that? Like, if your life is so busy and so full of stuff, will you ever hear from him? He wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. But there's no space there's no room in half our lives, right? We're just too busy. Man, get in the Word of God. Get a reading program. Back there on each side, right? Take a Bible with you, all right? There might be, I guess all the Bibles, there's some over there. 
take a Bible with you. Go through the reading plan and read through the Bible. Every day, make it a point to be in prayer. And if, even if you don't know what to pray, Lord, I don't know what to pray. Would you show me? Would you reveal it to me? Lord, I, I just want to know you're real. Would you just show me that? Would you just reassure me of that? Right? Make space for that. That's what the Experiencing God curriculum is all about, right? Get in a group that's going through that, or if you've already gone through it, start it again and teach it to another group. We can't see all the incredible stuff going on because we put God in a box and we say, it's got to look like this, it's got to happen this way. You've got to show up as fire on the mountain, Lord. God's will will always be immeasurably, unspeakingly, infinitely beyond any of our largest notions about what he's up to. Can I say that again? Can I read that again? God's will will always be immeasurably, unspeakingly, infinitely beyond any of our largest notions about what he's up to. And if it's not, it's not his will or it's not God, right? If it fits into your box of God, I bet it's not his will. Don't limit God by your view. Don't limit how God speaks to other people this way. It must be the same way, right? Uh, doing a funeral for Diane. And we were going through the passage of Mary and Martha, and I've never noticed this before. But they both posed the same thought to Jesus. Man, if you had only have been here, right, my brother wouldn't have died. They both say that, and something very interesting happens. He answers them in two different ways. To Martha, he gives a lecture, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Amazing news that he gives to Martha. Do you remember what he gave to Mary? Tears. Tears. No lecture. No amazing statement. He just gave her tears. It's, and it's simply because our hearts need different things. What do you need? What do you need to hear from God? Right? Will you make room? Will you make time? Will you allow him to speak to you? Don't put God in a box and miss it. Right? Because he doesn't come like you expected. You need to have a close relationship to him. You need to spend time with him in, in the Bible and in, in prayer. Right? Please don't be like me. And think you know the way that God's got to fix this situation that you're in. Because that's what I always do. I think I know. I think I'm smarter than God. And I am definitely not. And it is only when I get out of the way. And God's able to do it. And I join him in what he's doing. Man, that's where it's at. Right? Don't limit him. If you do, you'll be like me. You'll be disappointed and you'll want to quit all the time. Trust he is God. Right? Trust his word and make it the foundation that you built upon. Man, in Sunday school class, somebody pointed out what the word of God said and how hard it was to follow that, but they committed themselves to following what the word of God said, even though it's a difficult path, a difficult journey, right? They're building their life on that foundation. And that's what we have to do. Elijah needed to experience the whisper because it's going to challenge his view of God. Elijah experienced the fire right and it didn't work out like he thought. I've been totally challenged by how I viewed Mount Carmel through this study, right? 
I think, I think really Mount Carmel is almost a failure. I think, and I could be dead wrong about this. You can disagree with me. You can come up and talk to me about this. But I think God gave Elijah Mount Carmel to show him that his plan wasn't going to work. Because it didn't change Ahab and, and Jezebel. The people did fall down and they cried out, he's Lord, but then they didn't do anything after that. I think God was just showing him and kind of showing us that's not what works, right? That's not how I usually act. Why isn't God calling down the fire nowadays, right? Because I think he's just given an example like of what we think is our plan that's going to work, but it doesn't. I don't even think God called Elijah to do that, and that's what also makes me believe this. And then I'm at... Friday, listening to this missionary, and she goes, uh, you know, we don't pray for the big miracles. We don't pray for the big God, God things. We just pray that one person's heart would be changed by God. I'm like, man, that's the same thing that's going on here, right? I thought everybody's hearts would be changed by the fire, by the big show, by the big reveal, by the spectacular news and answers to prayers. And God does do that. You know, he does answer prayers, right? But I, but I always think, man, if God will just heal a bunch of people and do some big things, then people would believe God. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Maybe for a time. But then they'd go back, right? Because man's heart is ugly. Jezebel's heart was hard. Didn't fix his nation. He thought it would, but it didn't. I have thought, man, if I could just learn apologetics a little bit better and and have some amazing answers, oh, then people would listen. And that's great. Learn apologetics, right, and do that. But, But does it really ever change somebody's heart? Not often. Not often, right? The things that we think will change people's hearts don't. What will change people's heart? The word of God and our testimonies. That's what we've got to share people. That's what we have to have the courage to do it. Man, quit, quit praying for the fire to come down and share your testimony with somebody. Share the word of God. That's what penetrates a hard heart, right? Does, does it ever help you when somebody talks to you about politics and tries to persuade you to their side? No, it just ticks you off more, Right? I think Jesus tells this very same thing that God is revealing to Elijah. Do you remember Jesus tells a famous parable about a rich man that goes to hell in Luke 16? In hell, what does the, the rich man ask? He asks Abraham, please send somebody back from the dead and go to go tell my brothers, right, to go warn them. They're going to need something amazing, right, in order to, to believe, in order to see the truth. They're going to need to see somebody come back from the dead. That's the only way they're going to believe it. And do you know what Abraham says, which is really what Jesus is saying? No. They had Moses and the prophets. If they didn't believe them, they won't believe this. Isn't that what we think, though? Man, if somebody comes back from the dead, everybody's going to believe that. That's not what does it, though. Moses and the prophets. What's Moses and the prophet? It's the Word of God. Right? The Word of God isn't going to penetrate that heart. I mean, we're, 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 we're people. We have this amazing ability to explain everything away and to forget about it. We see the miracles and we forget about it, 
right? We see the miracles in our own lives and what God's done, and then a year later we forget about it, right? That doesn't change us. Now the Word of God, when it gets into our heart, that's what changes us. We think that's the answer, all the big showy things, but it's not, right? I think Jesus taught people, and we're being taught by this account today, what will actually change people and penetrate people. And we got to be a church about that. We have to pray for opportunities to get out there and share our testimony and share the word of God with somebody. Right? I, I pray for miracles. I pray for healing. I believe he still does that, right? But I don't think that's the answer to change people. I pray for opportunities to share. I pray for those God moments. I, I pray to join in with what God's doing. Because he's at work. He's talking to people. He's softening people's hearts, right? And he calls us at just the right time to speak something, to speak life, to share the good news. Will you do that? Will you listen? Will you make enough space to even hear what he's calling you to do because sometimes it might come in a gentle whisper. Sometimes it might come in a hammer, right? But will you make room to do that? Would you stand with me? I told you last week, following God's lead takes courage. It does. It takes courage. It's not easy, right? Sure. <laughs> Man, I get nightmares about sharing with my brother and sister, you know. But we've got to quit believing the lies that they're not interested in hearing, that I'm not qualified to talk to them, that I won't have the words to say, right, and instead get into the presence of God and just listen for what he calls us to do. We've got to be in the presence of God and continually praying even when we're out there, out of our house, right? Because that opportunity at that gas station, God could steer that conversation towards him. But we have to be willing. And we, what I learned today is we've got to take God out of the box. We've got to quit thinking this is what would do it and realize he already told us what would do it. His word and our testimony. Will you share it? That's the question. Amen? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage. Lord, we know that it's going to take boldness. We, we know this, this message is not popular. It should be. It's the most amazing news ever, Lord. But we know some people don't want to hear it. But we also know that you are working in people's hearts. You are calling them, and you are aligning certain situations to work so that we can share it. Lord, we know that even when they don't want to hear it and you call us to share it, Lord, it's planting seeds. We heard about that with Pastor Wendell in that time in, in uh, Ethiopia. Lord, let us be people who plant seeds. Let us be people who share the good news. Lord, give us an opportunity this very day let there be a random phone call. Let us talk to a family member we haven't talked to. Lord, give us that encounter at the grocery store. And Lord, give us a boldness. And let us trust you when you call us to do something. Let us trust you when you call us to say something. 
Lord. Let us be encouraged that even people like Moses were like, Lord, I'm the wrong person to send. But he went. Let us be people that drop our doubts. Let us be people that drop our ideas and our plans for you, Lord, and surrender ourselves to you. Father, let us worship you and bow down to your will and follow it, Lord. Lord, we love you and we... 